What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through Rent to Retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, Rent to Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60 day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 78. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Storkin, host to the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with Brandon Turner. What up, Brandon? What up, Josh? Was that your like grandpa voice? <laughs> 
that's that's my rural Washington voice. Oh, there you go. Rural Washington. Good job. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so what's new? Man, you know, just uh, you know, coming off of a, a nice July 4th weekend. Um excited about the uh the recent launch of the bigger pockets uh redesign you know finally de de-stressing a little bit now that that's uh that's done and uh otherwise just you know living life man enjoying my family enjoying the summer and and uh you know doing nice. doing doing things doing things having fun nice well hey on on the day that this comes out which comes out on July 10th it would have been my birthday yesterday so happy but we're recording this before my birthday but you know right Right. So should I should I be, be wishing you a happy belated birthday, even though I already even got you a gift or was responsible? You got for me it? a gift. Oh, yeah. But oh, don't you love it? I love it. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy, happy, soon to be birthday or happy belated. Happy, happy soon to be belated birthday. Yeah. yeah, yeah there you yeah. go. Well, there you go. Nice. By the way, in in case anybody noted didn't notice, uh, Brandon there was was mentioning his birthday because he wants you all to flood his email <laughs> with happy birthday messages. So I please feel that. free to ex- blow up his email with with emails. Thank uh, you. Thank you. But uh, yeah, listen. We got a big show. We got a great show today. So let's get this thing going. Today's quick, quick tip. tip is we are about to launch webinars on Bigger Pockets. I know we've got this free podcast that rocks. We've got all sorts of other things going on, like a blog that is amazing and the greatest forums online and all sorts of other cool stuff. Yeah, well, we're going to add webinars to it too, just, just for fun. Why not? Right. Uh, but uh, so check out. Check out these uh, webinars. We'll be promoting them on Facebook, on our uh, site, in email, so on and so forth. Uh, if you are interested, we urge you to come on and do some learning with us on the Bigger Pockets webinars to be launched soon or to have already been launched. Uh, well, also, I will put a link in the show notes to the webinar page. Um, that way, in the future, people listening to this can click on, go to the show notes page at biggerpockets.com slash show 78, and they can see where the newest webinar is going to be. So check that out. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Uh, cool. Which brings us to today's show, today's guest. Today's guest is Bree Schmidt. Bree is an active, active, active member of the Bigger Pockets community. She's amazing. She is, uh, she's always out there giving advice, being helpful to folks. Uh, and and uh, we wanted to have her on the show. So here she is. Bree is officially, uh, as of two days ago now, a full-time buy and hold investor who loves traveling and living the high life while being supported from her buy and hold investments. And of course, uh, working with her partner in crime, her spouse, uh, she and her husband own properties throughout Chicago and Milwaukee areas, and they are passionate, passionate about what a good buy and hold strategy can produce. And they've uh, they built up a pretty substantial buy and hold portfolio in the past uh, three years that they've been at this. So definitely somebody to watch and learn from. With that, since we're talking about buy and hold, Brandon, uh, we've got our, our latest sponsor uh, for the podcast, and, and I thought we'd, we'd mention them really quickly here. All right. Well, I will take this one because this is something that I'm actually really passionate about. Our, our sponsor today is actually more than a sponsor. It's a company that I know and I love, and that is Pay Near Me. Now, this is a service that I use every month to collect rent, and I really highly recommend it. In the past, all my tenants used to mail rent or drop it in the Dropbox, and it was a major hassle every month, lost rent, etc. But now I use Pay Near Me, 
every month, which allows tenants to pay their rent in cash at any 7-Eleven or Family Dollar. And I get notified immediately that they did pay. And then their rent gets direct deposited into my account. So uh, you can learn more or sign up at paynearme.com slash biggerpockets. And our little pro benefit of the week is actually related to that. If you are a BiggerPockets pro member, uh, make sure you go to biggerpockets.com slash perks and sign up through that link and you get a $30 Amazon gift card when your tenants make their first rent payment. So definitely check them out. Paynearme.com slash biggerpockets or at the BiggerPockets perks page. But that is way too much chit chat. So let us get to the interview. Josh, you want to welcome her in? All right, Miss Bree, and I can call you that because we're friends. Yes, we're welcome, friends. welcome to the show. It's good to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Josh and Brandon. Well, thank you, you could call him that because you're friends as well. We are yeah. friends as well. <laughs> yes, we are. We are friends. Uh, Bree has been uh, pretty active. I mean, really active on the on the forums for a while now, and uh, we've been trying to get her on the show now for what, like three or four months, and we finally got you. So, yes, yeah, sorry, yes. I've been traveling a lot. <laughs> oh, she's That's been busy okay. brushing her teeth and that kind of thing. <laughs> well, cool. Well, we want to hear about that, and I actually want to ask you more about your traveling, but we'll do that later. But uh, why don't we start very beginning? How did you get involved or interested in real estate investing? Well, the real estate investment part came about ten to twelve years after I got started with real estate. Um, long story short, I was a licensed assistant at seventeen, got my broker's license at twenty-one, and absolutely hated it. Um, dealing with residential buyers. So That's I just kept, what? Well, yeah, it was just not my thing. Um, Josh, you did that too, right? We, we have the same yeah. story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I went into uh, corporate sales for about a decade um, and did that for the last you know 10 years. But I got started with real estate investing a couple of years ago and my husband and I were getting married and we were looking you know, to start a family and you know plan out the whole life and stuff. But if you look at like Chicago housing stock, like two to four unit properties are actually more prevalent than single family homes or condos in this market. And it's actually about $100,000 cheaper to buy a 3,000 square foot multi-unit than it is to buy a 2,000 square foot single family. So we bought the three unit. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, we bought the three unit thinking that we would eventually deconvert it to a single family in some, at some point of our lives, um, really with no intentions of being real estate investors. We never looked at, you know, being landlords, never researched any of that and just kind of winged it the first couple of months um, and realized that it was a passion of ours and we've kind of grown it from there. Well, that's cool. So you bought, nice. you bought a triplex to live in, correct? I mean, like you actually lived in one of the units. Correct. We lived in one of the units and rented out two of the units. Okay. And when you first bought it, I mean, like you talked about you wanted to maybe turn it eventually into something else. Did you, I, did you rent it out immediately or was it rented when you bought it or uh, did you just stick with one, you know, just you in there? Uh, we rented out immediately. So okay. we took us about seven months to find our property. Um, it was a very long, tedious process. But we bought a rehab, so it's fully like condo quality, brand new hardwood, stainless granite, all that. Um, we bought it, and we had it leased up within 48 hours. Nice. And we had tenants moved in within two weeks. Wow. And this is, yeah. in, this is in downtown Chicago, or where is this at? The north side of Chicago. North side. Nice. <laughs> I don't nice. know Chicago well, but... That's yeah, a, that's okay. It's it's a it's city that's outside of the forest. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, we didn't know anything about, you know, like three times income. We didn't know any of that kind of stuff. We just, you know, found tenants. They they seemed nice. You know, they <laughs> made decent money in, you know, our opinions. And we rented them and they've been the best tenants ever. And the numbers numbers were good? Yeah, the numbers were good. So now that I know about, you know, the 2% rule and the 50% rule, um, we're about the 1.25% rule. Okay. With this property, 
Um, and then, you know, our mortgage covered, or excuse me, our rental income covered our PITI, but not expenses with us living there. All right. So though, for those people who don't know, let me just explain what those things are real quick. Uh, Bree, if you don't mind, I'm just going to jump in here and do my teacher thing. All right. First of all, you said uh, the 50% rule. Uh, for those people who don't know that, 50% rule is a rule of thumb that a lot of investors around bigger pockets use that basically says half of all your uh, income is going to go out in expenses, not including the mortgage. So if you rent a property for a thousand a month, you could probably assume five hundred is going to go out in expenses, and then you're going to pay the mortgage with the remaining five hundred, and whatever's less left is what you get to keep. So that's kind of a rule of thumb. It's not don't buy a property based entirely on that, but it's a rule let, of thumb. But let me let me let me clarify because yeah. you you said you're going to pay the remaining in what's left of that five hundred. You actually may be paying the remaining. In what goes above that five hundred? Yeah. So if your mortgage is six hundred, you could probably estimate a hundred dollars negative money. money. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So it's just it's a real quick way. And again, don't buy a property based only on that. It's just a rule of thumb, but it helps to quickly do it. Uh, then you mentioned the two percent rule, or some people say the one percent rule. Basically, says it's a ratio of the monthly rent compared to how much the purchase price is. So if it rents for a thousand a month and it costs $100,000 to buy, that is 1%. It meets the 1% rule. If it rents for 2000 a month and you can buy it for 100000 that's 2%. So uh, it's just another quick way to kind of guess. Like I Personally, I never buy anything under, never under 1%. Um, I have one property that's like at the 1% rule, and I lose money on it every month. It's my only property that I always lose money on, and I hate that property. Uh, but I didn't know what I was doing. It was my second property I ever bought, and I just thought, Ah, uh, it's a good deal. I'll buy it. So anyway, and then finally, uh, you mentioned PITI, which is uh, Pin- pinch principal, principal interest, interest, taxes, yeah, 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 yeah. and insurance. Tax and insurance. It's, I had to think yeah. of that one. <laughs> yeah, me, back to Bree. Back to Bree. I just want to make sure. You know, a lot of new people are probably going to listen to this show, so I want to make sure everyone's on the same page. So I'm glad you did that. Thank you. All right, back to Bree. So you bought the triplex now in Chicago. Correct me if I'm wrong. Whenever I talk to people from Chicago, they always say a three flat. Instead yeah. of a tribe. Why is that? Any idea? I don't know. We call like, them two flats, three flats, four flats. I think like all of Europe does that. Yeah, Europe yeah. does that. And then Chicago does that. I never got that, but whatever. Weird. I have to constantly go back in my like forum posts and like edit it so that everyone else can understand what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> I'll write three flat. Yeah, but those Chicago people, they talk funny anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, cool, cool. All right. So you mentioned um I guess that you bought the the triplex. I mean, what else do you do? I mean, maybe we just take this back. What kind of investor are you? Are you are you doing more buy and hold since then, or what's happened in the time since you bought that? Um, all buy and hold. So essentially, we've all done buy and hold. We've done one um, like rehab and hold or fix and hold, okay. um, which is our primary residence. But that's been our main trajectory, I guess you can call it. Um, so at this point, um, actually, as of next week, we'll be closing. We'll be at twenty seven units total, um, Chicago and Milwaukee. Um, So we've been working up there for the past few months as well. And our property here, we did a rehab, a pretty extensive rehab, a $75,000 rehab on this property. Um, And then refinanced out, cashed out in the equity. Because that's one thing we do have in Chicago is we do have equity and appreciation gains um, pretty quickly with some minor repairs. Okay. And um, maybe you can explain that a little bit to people also if they don't know what... what Mm -hmm. What's the difference between, I mean, what are you talking about when you say you have appreciation you know, and you have cash flow or what, what are you talking about there? So the way I see it, there's three types of investing. Um, there's, you know, CD neighborhoods, which are very high cash flow uh, markets, at which point, you know, if you sell them in 10 years, you're selling them for what you paid for them. Then there's the kind of middle road, which might be like a decent, you know, cash flow. You're just breaking even every month. 
but then in 10 years you can expect to sell it, you know, for at least three to four percent in annual returns, interest, or excuse me, appreciation on the property. And then you've got other properties that are almost all appreciation based that would be negative cash flowing every month, but you're really banking on in 10 years you could double the cost of your investment. And and what do you focus on then out of those three? Um, we're kind of middle of the road. So we're mainly in the middle with the appreciation and the moderate cash flow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you know, people talk or hear me talking a lot on the podcast about, you know, some of my rental properties produce really good cash flow. And, you know, I like to brag about how, you know, awesome that is. But in reality, I'm in, the, I'm at the the other end of that spectrum. I mean, I, I'm, I don't expect my things to appreciate very much at all. I mean, if I pay a hundred thousand for it, if I can't force the appreciation up by buying something crappy, then I'm going to assume it's going to sell for a hundred thousand, 10 years from now. And that's just a trade off in my, in my area. Well, and I, I think that's a, the, a safe way for, for, especially for newer investors to go, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't really predict appreciation. So, you know, if you're going to buy a rental, be smart. And, and no, I'm not saying you're not or anyone else who doesn't. <laughs> I'm just saying, you, you know, in general, if you, if you only assume zero appreciation and, and buy these buy and hold properties uh, for, for cash flow only, then... And they do cash flow, and you're you're good to go. Then then you're probably fairly fairly good to go for the long run. Oh yeah, of course. We didn't even know about other cash flow markets. You know, we always just thought what we bought was the greatest thing in the entire world. Let's try <laughs> to buy more that are just like it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how, how did you get interested? I, I think I find it interested, interesting you invest in Milwaukee. We've had a couple of guests on the show, Mehran and Don, uh, both invest mm-hmm. in Milwaukee. And Jay Scott has invested in Milwaukee. So why why mm-hmm. Milwaukee for you? How far away is that from Chicago? About an hour and a half drive. Okay. So why did you choose that area? Mainly because it was an hour and a half drive. Um, (laughs) It was a market that I could get better cash flow for every, you know, $100,000 I spend. I expect, you know, to get $2,000 in rent every month. So it's more of the 2% rule up there than it is here. And we do have those markets in Chicago, especially like on the south side. But my issue is that in Milwaukee, they have got a much more friendly landlord side of the landlord-tenant ordinance up there, where it's more easy to evict someone if there are problems. Um, and I could still be close enough where I can still be there if there's a problem or control a situation. That's really why. Okay. Is, and Illinois is, is a fairly landlord-unfriendly state, correct? Chicago specifically Chicago. is probably one of the most unfriendly to landlords. What, is yeah. that, what does that mean? To I mean, what makes it unfriendly? So we have a very strict, I think it's like 142-page Chicago landlord-tenant ordinance, which specifies every single thing that could possibly happen between a landlord and a tenant. Um, And basically, out of that whole situation, there's one thing that favors landlords, and that's a tenant moving out mid-lease. Everything else is to the tenant. So whether it's like an eviction or or security deposits, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's you know the the uh, the laws are going to favor tenants is is essentially what it is, yeah. Correct. Like if I don't give a security deposit to someone within a specific amount of time, if I don't include the bank name, if I don't include the bank address, I'm liable for three times a security deposit. Ooh, ouch. So it kind of yeah. keeps you, it makes you have to be really, really, you know, dot your I's, cross your T's or cross mm-hmm. your I's and dot your T's. Which isn't, which isn't <laughs> terrible. I mean, so the, yeah. I, you know, I, I think ultimately landlords don't complain about the dotting I's and T crossing. I think they complain about laws favoring tenants in situations like, you know, somebody doesn't pay the rent and you have to wait six months before you could evict them and mm-hmm. you're sucking it up that whole time. Yeah, th- that kind of stuff. How long does a typical eviction take you in uh, in Chicago? Is it really I've bad? never had an eviction. Oh, okay. Um, I've never had a tenant pay late yet. Wow. So I don't know. Yeah. There you um, go. 
from what I hear, though, it could take up to six months. Wow. I and imagine that. I mean, imagine yeah. sucking up six months mm-hmm. worth worth of money, which is, you know, it, it's crazy. It really is that that the the folks writing these laws, you know, you, you ought to take some of the force force anybody writing these laws to own property in the <laughs> in the in the place where they own property and and deal with the laws that they uh, that they write because, uh, I mean, that's that's insane. It'll bankrupt a lot of people. Well, you're gonna love this one. Uh, now in Chicago, Section Eight is a protected class. Uh, so yeah. we cannot refuse Section 8 tenants in Chicago. Really? I know mm-hmm. uh, Seattle's like that too now. Mm-hmm. Not not all Washington, but Seattle is. is so like exp- so if if explain that. If you have a property that's not, does it have to be a Section 8 type property? Nope. Okay, so if I own a rental, just some regular rental, and a Section 8 renter comes in and says, you know what, I want to rent this property, mm-hmm. and uh, they're absolutely Section 8, then they could come in, apply. You can't deny them because they're section eight. Now, do you then have to convert the property to a section eight property and, and kind of abide by all the rules and everything at that point? Correct. It's also go through a section eight inspection. Um, and you, yeah, you can't deny them based on section eight. You can still deny them based on like income. Tattoos on the fingers, you know, <laughs> big <laughs> like the, teardrop on next to their eyes. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. the, the normal legal ways to, you know, pass on a tenant Yes. would be the same. As long as that's your policy across the board, so as long as all my properties have the same policy with income requirements yep. and credit requirements, then it's not considered discrimination. Gotcha. Fascinating. Good. So mm-hmm. so do you manage your own properties then? Or are you we hiring? do. All of them? Okay. All of them here in Chicago. Okay, but you have a property manager for Milwaukee? Correct. Okay. We will. Okay. Okay, cool. So um, that's cool. You said you had 27, right? Uh, correct. No. There'll be eight units in Chicago and then... 19 in Milwaukee. Wow. Wow. And how long, how, I don't know if we asked you this earlier, but how long did it take to build all these up? Like when did you start with this uh, whole process? August will be three years. Wow. That's, that's, that's pretty awesome. impressive in, in three years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. So, so you mentioned that you've never had an eviction. You never even had a late payment. Uh, I want to know how did, I mean, how is that even possible? I mean, I get late payments every, I mean, at least once a month from somebody. I'm, I mean, I have a few more in 27, but still, how, how does that work for you? Uh, mainly it comes down to, you know, obviously tenant screening, um, yep. and then streamlining processes okay. and making it easier for us to do. Okay. Well, what kind of stuff do you do for that? Uh, a couple of things we do, you know, automated rent payments, um, having it direct deposit to our bank every month. Um, you know, we have a form that the tenants fill out for maintenance requests. It's automated with team me and my husband. We've got a team in place that handles all that stuff. If we're ever out of town, Cool. You know, anything that'll improve the process is is obviously going to be great. Um, you, you had mentioned Bree that you uh, you have maintenance uh, forms and maintenance requests and stuff that you mm-hmm. guys handle. Is that through uh, a service, or did you guys just build your own form on your site, or how do you guys do that? We just built it all on our own um, because my husband and I, well, up until a couple of days ago, both worked full time. We both traveled for work. So it was also very important if anything ever happened to one of our tenants or something went wrong, we were both available to take care of it. So we have um, a request form through our email that comes to us. It comes to both of us. And then we also have a 24-hour handyman service that we keep on retainer. Okay. So even if we travel out of the country, we authorize them to do any sort of service. They guarantee their work. We've had a great relationship with them. Um, and they do anything that we can't handle ourselves. Is that up to a certain amount or is that just kind of unlimited? Yeah, I think we authorize up to like $1,000 per unit. Okay. 
Um, and then there's certain things like they can't come in obviously and repaint the house. Yeah. Um, it has to be like repairs type work. We've never had to use them when we're on a vacation, but it's great to have that backup. Oh do, yeah. Do you use them for other, like when you're not on vacation as well, or do you guys like, how do you manage your maintenance stuff? So if it's anything that we can do, which we're, I call us the YouTube landlords, we <laughs> learn, <laughs> we YouTube it. And if we can figure it out, we can figure it out. I like that. Um, yeah. but be, yeah, because of we bought our properties out here in Chicago, the ones that we manage, were all bought from rehabbers. They're all condo quality. So they all have like new HVAC, new appliances, new flooring. So we don't get very many repair requests. Um, when we do, though, we go out and see it. If we can figure it out, we fix it. Usually it's something small. If not, we call them. Um, anything electrical or plumbing, they do. Because nice. that's just way beyond our capabilities. Yep. Yep. And that's actually like a company. I mean, is that, that's what they do? That, that's their business model? Um, no, no. Okay. Business model. <laughs> so there, it's business not like, model. cause that is yeah. a cool business model. I, w- I wish there was more companies like that. We've, we've been using them like this business model, um, for a few years now. They're actually all over the country. They're a franchise business, but we like that they have a licensed plumber. They have a licensed electrician. They have a licensed general contractor. So if I have a plumbing issue, I call, they give me the plumbing guy. If it's electrical, I call, they give me the electrical guy. Yep. So they have a whole team in place that's licensed, bonded, and insured. And then different guys come out for different projects depending on their expertise. And what's the name of the company? Handyman Matters. Handyman Matters. Cool. Yeah. They're, I think they're all over the country, but they're phenomenal. We've had amazing or amazing stuff with them. Cool. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I struggle. That, that is my biggest struggle in all of landlording is dealing with maintenance stuff. I mean, it's getting better now. We've, we kind of got some guys, but we cycle through so many maintenance people. And again, Josh will make fun of me. It's because I'm in a rural area, but you know, <laughs> I don't think, I think you're alone, man. Yeah. I, I think people even in big areas struggle with that. Hey, listen, I've got, uh, you know, I've been through a, a few in the past year and a half and you know, both of that, the, the one, well, the, two, two of the ones I, I was working with were, I mean, they're fantastic, really, really great. But I think fundamentally people who end up being handymen tend to end up being flaky. I don't know why, but like there's always some kind of flakiness that kind of comes in and mm-hmm. they're, they're great for six months and then they're gone. Disappeared, something happened and that's the end of it. So, uh, you know, I guess... That's 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 one of the 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 costs of doing business in in the investing game, isn't it? Yeah. Well, so you've been doing buy and hold. You've got the local, and then you've got the the properties at a distance. Uh, an hour and a half isn't terrible. Do you see any downside to that hour and a half uh, uh, distance, or or is that pretty pretty decent for you? Um, well, considering I have not driven a car in about seven years, because um, I live oh. in the city of Chicago, yeah. so I take public transportation everywhere. Um, so it's been an adjustment. I don't like car rides for more than like 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> and we've been up there like every weekend since February. Um, and I'll be up there more often, but we, the distance isn't really an issue. It's more of an issue of, of I know Jay Scott talked about this too, finding reliable people up there. Um, it's been really, really hard having to communicate long distance, establish a whole new network up there. Yeah. You know, I needed bankers, insurance guys, agents, inspectors, and trying to establish that in a new market from a distance has been what's hard. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I can see that. I mean, that's hard to do it when I'm, when I'm local. Yeah, locally. That's, yeah, mm-hmm. that's hard. So yeah, trying to do it in a new market, especially when you don't live you know, real close is tough. But um, you mentioned that up until last week, you, you and your husband both worked. Does that mean you quit your job or he quit his job? I quit my job two days ago. Hey, nice. nice. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So you're full-time now, real estate investor. Yeah. So did full you quit time. your job because of real estate? Yeah. 
So that's what's been funny about this whole situation. You know, three years ago, we didn't even consider ourselves real estate investors. It was a hobby is what we kind of thought of it. It was a side business that we did. Um, and I always try to make sure that, you know, my real estate business, my tenants never interfere with my day job. And then ever since really I found bigger pockets, it really like exploited my passion in, in real estate investing and really accelerated a lot of things where now, especially this Milwaukee deal, I found that my day job was getting in the way of my real estate investing. And it got to the point where I needed something how to give. Um, and I thought that my passion was more better put to use than real estate investing. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I have a new uh, tagline for bigger pockets. It's going to be bigger pockets, pissing off employers <laughs> since 2004. <laughs> That's that, tweet yeah. that. Yeah, there you go. I'm, no, I'm, we've had, I don't know, probably a dozen guests on the podcast who have either just quit, I mean, like quit their job recently or after the podcast quit their job. And I know a few of them, I know one person even got fired <laughs> after being on the podcast, but, uh, oh, I, I, I don't know them. about that one. Yeah. It pushed oh. them to go full time. I don't know if I'm not going to say who it was cause I don't know if they'd want me to, but yeah, it pushed them. <laughs> oh, no. their employer heard them on the podcast and they, they fired them and then that pushed them to go full time. And, uh, yeah, they're now full time. So anyway, yeah, we, uh, you know, oops. <laughs> <laughs> so let, well, let us, let's talk about that for a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think you just scared off half of our guests. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I don't know. Some some employers just have a problem with uh, with that whole idea. Um, but anyway, uh, so quitting your job. What can you What can you tell people? I mean, like, when should a person quit their job? Do you think what What's the right time? For us, it was the right time where our cash flow from our properties covered my income, and then some. So it put us in a place financially where I wasn't, we weren't going to be, you know, struggling to make our mortgage payment every month because I wasn't working. Yep. Um, that was really the point for us. And it took us three years. So it's not like it happened overnight. Um, but that was really it for us. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now that's, that's cool. cool. So, so let's talk about what you guys are doing. You, you invest with your husband. How, how are you guys divvying up the roles? You know, what is, what does he do? What do you do? Is, do you guys have specific roles or is it just, you know, kind of a jumbled mess and wh whoever does it, does it? Um, we definitely have specific roles. So when it comes to like the, the front end of the, the process, the buying, the acquiring, all that, um, that's definitely my role. So he gets involved. He comes with me to showings. Um, he also comes with me to inspections and he comes with me to closing. But finding the property, finding the deal, dealing with the banks, the insurance, all that is kind of me. Um, I will say, though, he's never had any sort of experience with real estate. But we saw so many properties when we first started looking that he now has a really good eye for it. So what's been great about it is whenever we've gone into a property, we'll walk out within five minutes and both of us will either say yes or no. So we've never had a disagreement about which property to buy or which direction to go. We're usually on the same page with that. Gotcha. When it comes to like the day-to-day -day stuff, I handle all of the tenant communication. I lease out all of our units. I handle um, all the rent payments, all that stuff. And then he does mainly the manual labor. Um, <laughs> like, you know, I can't. It's so just, sexist the way you well, guys it is have so this sexist. set up. Yeah, it's messed um, up. <laughs> but like I just fixed my first faucet the other day and was so excited. Nice. Uh, but like he's much better at that kind of stuff than I am. And yeah. so usually like he has to be there to do it. That's all we're good for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can so, throw rocks around and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, how does how does one first of all, and and maybe I missed it. Is he still working or is he? Yeah. Uh, he's got a full time job. 
he has a full-time job. Um, so until we can cover both of our incomes, yeah. but we, we might be doing some flip projects, okay. which is what we're kind of investigating right now. And that is definitely more of his area of expertise. And yeah. if so, then he might be the one that leaves too and starts managing those. That's because he throws rocks around. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually a geologist. <laughs> he does throw rocks oh, around. Oh, <laughs> really? Ha! That's funny. Awesome. That's, that's hysterical. Well, that's so how, how does one balance uh, the relationship, the personal relationship with the work relationship? You know, cl- that we got a lot of folks listening, uh, yeah, couples, men, women, whatever it is. And, 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 and uh, you know, I, I think it's a situation where you know, it, it can be hard sometimes when, oh, yeah. when you're trying to, to get through and, and, you know, run this budding investing business. So how do you guys get through it? And, you know, does it ever cause strife? And if so, do you have any tips for how people could potentially avoid those situations? Um, well, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be issues. Um, especially like, I remember when we were first, our first property, we self-managed when we lived there and we'd also shovel the snow. So there's nothing like getting in a disagreement at six <laughs> o'clock in the morning in your front lawn when you're shoveling snow. Well, were you both um, shoveling it or were Yeah, we were both shoveling. Oh, okay. Good. Good. Cuz uh, my wife makes me she will she won't even touch a shovel. <laughs> uh yeah, we well typically whatever. You have to get up early and do it before. We've got rules in Chicago about that too. Oh. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, so we balance a lot of it by you know luckily we're able to communicate very well um, and we've got a lot of the same ideals. So we tend to err on the side of give our tenants what they want and make them happy. So when it comes to like financial decisions, you know, we had a tenant that she had a manual defrost in her freezer and we had to go over there and scrape the defroster. And we both walked out. We're like, we need to buy our new refrigerator. And most people would think that's insane, but we're like, you know, she needs to be happy. She's one of our best tenants. So a lot of those things we both agree on and it makes it a lot easier. Um, there's obviously times where it's, you know, not so hunky dory. Um, and really we have to just kind of step away. Sometimes we'll just say, you know, let's talk about tomorrow. We need to get back to our relationship and leave the business. It can be fine for a couple of hours. Yeah. And then we'll just discuss it again in the morning. I, I think that's a good policy. I know my wife and I have a really hard time with that is, is separating the real estate business from our personal life, right? Like we go out to dinner and that's all we talk about is real estate. Like we have to tell ourselves we're, we're not going to talk about real estate for the next two hours, period. Yeah. And then we sit there in silence. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, well, what'd you do today? Know. You Del- know you were next yeah, to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a battle. I mean, like it, it is, and I love, I love working with my wife. I mean, I think we complement each other really well, but it's mm-hmm. not, it's not always easy, but it can be done. And I know people ask me that question a lot, actually, of uh, how my wife and I work together. So one of these days, I'll write a blog post on that or something. But I don't know. Well, I think at least for us, the main thing to me is that you know, even before we started all this, we sat down and we're like, what are our goals in life? Like, what are the two to three things that are most important to us for our life. And we came down to them and a lot of them have been able to at least be halfway achieved with real estate investing. So whenever things get, you know, murky or whatever, there's, you know, words are said, we always think back to why are we doing this? You know, why are we both working and then having a side job? Why are we exhausting ourselves driving to Milwaukee every weekend? It's because we want these things in our life. And that that's our goal and that goal is not changed and we need to both work towards that goal. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's great. And I, I think that's key, you know, but for any kind of partnership, not just if it's your spouse, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think if, if you're going to be working with somebody in the business, you have to have similar ideals. You guys have to upfront be on page and on point. And if you're not, 
then maybe you guys shouldn't be doing it. Of course. Because, you know, that's going to lead to problems and the mm-hmm. 59% divorce thing that happens. So yeah. whatever it is. Well, I hear that from time to time. People say like, my spouse does not want to invest in real estate, but I want to. How do I, how do, I do it without them wanting to? And I'm like, you don't. Like, yeah. it sucks. Yeah. It sucks. And you might not get the cool benefits you get out of investing in real estate. But what's you know, more important? What's more your important? wife? Yeah, getting yeah. rich or <laughs> staying married. I mean, yeah, I mean, but even like my husband has no like passion for real estate. It's really not his thing. He likes to go look at the properties and, you know, be involved with them. Um, but really, I got him, I'm the one who got him excited with it by watching um, like TV shows about yep. real estate. Yeah, so that's I started, exactly like, how we did TV it. Too. Shows. But, yeah, like Income Property was one of <laughs> yep. his favorite shows. Um, and that's what really got him involved into it. And it's like, okay, let's do this, you know? Well, you know what you could do? You can actually, if you cut a deal with him and let him dig big holes in, <laughs> around all the houses so he can look at the rocks, maybe yeah. he'll get more excited. He's great on vacations when we go see volcanoes, though. He knows more than the guides. It's hilarious. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's cool. That's cool. Well, really quick, guys, this is show 78 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. And uh, you can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 78. And of course, if you have questions for Bree, uh, feel free to ask uh, at, on the show notes. There you go. Uh, let, let's, let's dig a little deeper in, into how you guys are doing what you're doing. How, how are you guys funding your deals? So it all kind of snowballed again from three years ago. We had, we really sat down and saved. Um, so paid off all of our debt and we got enough money for an FHA down payment. Um, so our properties in Chicago are in like the three to $400,000 range. So at that point, that's all we could ever afford. Um, from there, we covered our mortgage with our PITI, or excuse me, our rental income covered our mortgage. And we were able to essentially live for free. And we just kept sticking to our budget. And our budget at that point was about half of our income. So we were banking a few thousand dollars every month, plus what we were saving in rent money at that point. Yeah. And really just came from there. That's something yeah. that I, I call house hacking. I wrote a post a while ago called like yeah. how to hack your housing, right? It's that whole concept of find a small multifamily, rent out all the units, but the one you live in and live for free so you can save your money and invest in real estate with that money you save. So you yeah. perfectly did that. That was great. Um, and we've been on the same budget for about four years now. Nice. Nice. So even as like your income grows and more cash flow comes in, you stay on the same budget yeah. and enables you to save even more. Kind of a snowball effect, but yep. you get to go yeah. bigger and bigger. That's cool. Well, so it took us about a year and a half to buy our second. We then had that cash flow plus what we were saving, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Nice, nice, nice. And and I think that's where the average guy versus, say, an investor. Yeah, you know, the average investor probably differ, right? The average investor thinks with that mindset: Hey, how do I snowball and build more property, which builds more passive wealth or passive active? It's active if. You know, well, that's a whole nother, <laughs> that's that's a whole whole nother debate. debate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, let's, let's take that money and, and put it into more property versus somebody who says, oh, well, I'm making more money. Let me now buy a better car or yeah. whatever it is. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I think that's smart. And I, I think if, if, if more people understood how to, how to do that and had the restraints to do that, uh, we'd have less people in financial problems here yeah. in this country. Yeah, And I mean, to me, that all goes back to the, again, the goals. Our goal has always been, we wanted to be retired by 40. Like yeah. that is our end all be all goal. So when it comes down to, you know, if I can go buy a $500 pair of shoes, every time I ask myself, is it worth not retiring at 40? And the answer is usually no. Yeah. And that really helps us keep on that budget month to month. Yeah, nice. that's awesome. That's awesome. Do you, have, do you have any more, you know, tips for people, you know, on budgeting and saving money and all that? I mean, since you saved a lot of money. 
oh, I'm a budget crazy person. Cool. I've got Excels. Like, oh my gosh, you can email <laughs> me and I can send you my Excels. Um, but <laughs> I'm totally serious. It's, it's obsessive compulsive. Nice. Um, <clears throat> Are you one of those you- people who goes to the grocery store and does that like, to, you know, that coupon hacking stuff where you're like, you know, fighting, fighting people because you, <laughs> I might get, be like, now, 17, um, uh, toilet paper rolls. And you know, working like 60 hours <laughs> a week and doing real estate grocery shopping has never been like a luxury of mine. Usually it's just running in, but I might now that I have time on my hands. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> but we started with a website called mint.com. I don't okay. think you've ever yep. used it before. Yep. Um, so we went with mint.com. We each loaded, we had uh, separate accounts at the, that point. And we loaded up our past three months finances, credit cards, bank statements, everything like that. And it showed us where we were spending. Um, and I think at the time we were spending like $800 a month on eating out. Um, so that was a big life hack, yeah. bank account hack, whatever you want to call it. It was like, we need to start, you know, cutting that down and let's, let's see if we can do it to $200 a month. And then let's see if we can do it to $100 a month. And so it was really gradual for a few months. Um, looking at things, looking at our cable, our internet, how we spend our money, and seeing where we can cut and where we we want to, you know, keep our money. That's cool. That's great. Yeah, I know. I know that. Um, I think the kind of the beginning of budgeting is just understanding where you are, and that's where Mint oh, yeah. is so helpful. I know my wife mm-hmm. and I. I mentioned this on an earlier show, but uh, I, my wife and I, we, I don't know, four or five years ago, we sat down and we actually did that same thing. I don't think we used Mint. I don't know if they were around then, but we sat down and I like mapped out on on an Excel document where everything we were spending, every category and what we were doing. And like, I found out we were like spending like a thousand dollars a month more than we made. I mean, like, and I was wondering why we were like struggling so bad back then. Like in, and that's why we were spending money on stuff we never would have thought of. And so as soon as we knew that we instantly cut that thousand dollars out and all of a sudden we mm-hmm. were fine. And we were at that point then paycheck to paycheck at least, which is better than going in the hole every month. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So budgeting just starts with understanding what you're spending. Yep. 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 And if only you could, you know, cut out that Starbucks brand and you'd yeah. be, be hella rich. <laughs> we that budget. That's one of the things we cut out. We budget 200 a month. That's my one vice in this world. I don't smoke. I don't <laughs> drink. I drink a Starbucks drink every, well, I used to drink one every day. Now I'm like once a week, but yeah, you know, we, we Plus. budget, we have a budget in our like Excel document and it says Starbucks, $200. And people <laughs> think I'm crazy for that, but nothing makes me happier on earth. I mean, I don't play video this games. This is true, people. This is nothing true. Nothing makes me happier than a... 175 degree peppermint hot chocolate with no mocha drizzle. It is perfection. I love and, that. And, drink. and by the way, if anyone ever goes to Starbucks with Brandon and and the uh, the mocha peppermint is not 179 degrees, <laughs> he gets angry and I gets do. pissy at the people I behind the counter. Not. It's really funny to watch. I do no, but here let me tell you why I do extra hot. I used to say extra hot, but that's like a peppermint hot chocolate's made for kids, right? So I'm a big. 28 year old kid and so but they make it like 140 degrees or something so i'm like i want i told them extra hot so they make it like 141 and i'm like no i need it hot because otherwise i'll drink the whole thing in 10 seconds and then i'm sad so i just kept going higher and higher (laughs) until 175 is the point that doesn't burn my like inside of my mouth but i still have to take five minutes to drink the drink Do you that, actually tell them to make it to 175? I say the words yes, 175 yes, i do every time and they i don't say it anymore because they know my drink i just walk in and they give it to me but like I would tell them 175 and they, I mean, they don't actually put a temperature gauge, but at least it gives them an idea. So anyway, yeah, people think I'm a major like snob, but whatever. <laughs> I wonder why they would think that. Yeah. yeah. I love my 175 degree uh, peppermint hot chocolate. Anyway, moving, <laughs> back to Brie. moving on, moving on, back to Brie. <laughs> so budgeting. Budgeting. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little, a little bit more about that. Um, I don't know. So any other tips for us? Uh, 
Um, you got to stick to it. I mean, like you said, like awareness is one of the first things. Um, being aware of where your money is going, where you can cut is one thing. Then you also got to stick to it. Um, so every month, you know, I do a, a check. Mint is great for that too. You set a budget on Mint and it tells you if you're over or under. So you're able to make adjustments if you, you know, are skewing one way or the other. I mean, really just sticking to it. Like I said, it's been four years we've stuck to this budget and it's been able to save us enough money where we can grow. That's great. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal Do Not Call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. That's, That's awesome. really, really, really great. All right, so let, let's get back to your, your experiences. Looking back, 
three years, you've acquired a, you know, a lot of units, you, you guys are rocking it, you quit your job, told your boss to shove it. Uh, <laughs> what, would you, what would you do differently, if anything? Um, what would I do differently? I would have found bigger pockets sooner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm I talking would've. about. Because no, um, that bigger pockets, I, I, again, I'm really active on the forums, obsessed, you might want to call it. Um, I'm on there like every single day reading stuff and I've learned more on the forums than any book I've ever read. Yep. Um, and it's also really, really opened my eyes to other markets and other ways of investing. Um, cause up until I found bigger pockets, the only thing I knew was, you know, Chicago, two to three unit properties, conventional financing, and then you just buy and hold. I had no idea about all this different creative stuff, wholesaling. I didn't know about, um, different markets that are better cash flow. It's really just opened my eyes and my investing um, what's the word plan, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's awesome. If I could just, I mean, encourage people, I mean, again, we try not to plug ourselves too much, but honestly, like people, if, if you're listening to this and you're not active on the forums, uh, like we're not asking you to sign up for a pro membership or, I mean, you know, that's great, but seriously just jump in. It's a free account, get active and just ask questions, answer them and just, uh, learn. I mean, like I'm the same way as you, Bree. I learned so much stuff once I started getting active on the forums more than any book. So. Yeah. And even if you don't have questions, read. Yep. Um, I probably spend my first hour of every day now is spent like reading the forums, seeing what's going on. Um, there's a lot of things that I don't know that it's now been teaching me about just by reading. That's great. That's yeah. great. Cool. Well, how are you finding your deals? Are you, are you guys doing MLS properties? Are you doing uh, any direct mail? What, what are you doing? Um, generally MLS. Um, so almost everything we found has been MLS just because we, because we both worked. We didn't want to deal with rehabbed properties. We didn't have the time or the bandwidth to handle that kind of stuff. We wanted rent ready, preferably, you know, completely rented out. Um, so everything we found has been on the MLS except for Milwaukee. Um, Milwaukee was one deal was on the MLS. It was, um, it's great. It's a duplex front coach house back, great condition, great rental numbers, totally loved it. We were walking out and we asked the uh, agent who was also the property manager, who we then found out was also the owner, you know, do you have any more? And he was like, well, my, my in-laws have about 80 properties in the area. I'm like, would they be willing to sell any? He's like, I don't know. I'll ask them. So that is what came of that is they found more properties off market and then we got them. That, by the way, is a fantastic tip. And, you know, what are we on? 78 shows so far. I don't think we've heard anyone else say that. And, and, and so I would press upon folks to do exactly what you did, mm -hmm. which is when you buy property from somebody – it's a simple question. Do you have any other property that you might be interested in selling? Or do you have any friends who have any uh, properties that they might be interested in selling? It's, mm -hmm. it's literally, it's a breath. And, and yeah. suddenly you've got more deals in, in the flow, right? And it's completely snowballed. Um, he actually wants to partner with us on doing some flips. Um, the family's invited us to vacation with them for Christmas. Wow. Um, like it's become this really big thing now. I see it being a very long-term partnership with them in Milwaukee on some things that we're going to be doing up there. So you got best buddies from asking a simple question. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. So uh, for for folks who are, you know, you're, you're, you've been doing the buy and hold and you're thinking about transitioning to, yeah. to flipping, right? Um, I, I'm going to come back to landlording stuff in a minute, but I, I'm just curious. You're in the middle of this right now. What types of things are you thinking about and worrying about and concerned about as a experienced landlord but newbie flipper? 
Yeah, what are the it's things? A whole, oh my gosh, it's a whole new ballgame. Yeah. Um, because we've never really we've done like a, a rehab of our own personal residence, but we've never done a flip project. Um, and really, what's been I've been reading on the forums. Um, I you know got Jay Scott's book about estimating rehab costs, which is going to be a huge help for me moving forward. But really, what's helped me not be so insane about it is the partnerships that I potentially have. Um, so we've got some in Milwaukee. We're also looking at doing some in Northwest Indiana and then Southside Chicago. And it's really through partners that I met, mainly through networking off of BP. Gotcha. Uh, very cool. Very cool. Uh, well, let, let's kind of go back onto the landlording uh, topic a little bit. You know, you, uh, Bree, you said you haven't got, had a uh, even a late payment. So obviously, mm-hmm. you're. You, I think you're. A, you must be a good landlord or extremely lucky, but either way, uh, what, and let's talk about some of the specifics about how you are a landlord. Uh, we talked about, you know, a little bit already, but what about tenant screening? You mentioned that earlier that a lot of it comes down to tenant screening and finding the right one. So what does your tenant screening process look like? Um, so the, you know, the requirements that we have three times income, which we do have now, um, and credit score. But what I find also, and we also, one of the things that makes us a little bit different is we allow pets. We actually encourage pets in our buildings. Um, so yeah, um, because we have we have pets. Okay. So when we first rented out our building, we have two medium and large sized dogs, and we didn't want people to be scared of dogs. So both of our tenants had dogs, and then all our tenants now have dogs. Um, so we even have a 120 pound mastiff in our building. Wow. Um, but that also creates a a niche market where not everybody allows pets. So it's very easy for us to rent out to people because everybody who has a dog wants one of our places. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, as a dog owner, I get it. Uh, that said, as a landlord, I get not wanting to rent to, to uh, oh, yeah. folks with dogs. So what are your policies? You know, I, I, when, when I was renting to folks with dogs, we had size restrictions and things and, and we'd have to pre-screen the dogs and that kind of stuff. Do you have any kind of uh, covenants, restrictions, anything like that, deposits that you require? Uh, we do require an additional deposit, um, but we do full month security deposits. So also understand that our units are generally um, top of the market or at least in the higher end of the market. Um, so they're, we're talking like, you know, $1,300, $1,400 a month for a two bedroom. So with one month security deposit and then the pet fee, we're talking $2,000 a month. I'm sorry, $3,000 just to even secure the apartment. So usually we're pretty comfortable if they can throw down $3,000 to get the apartment that they are going to take care of the apartment. Yeah, yeah. I got you. So you don't have like, you know, there's no size restrictions. Obviously you have Mastiffs in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, do, do that, you, ha- go ahead. That Mastiff one though, it was a, a funny story. They came down to meet us to even see the apartment and they brought the dog. Uh, it's a two hour drive for us to meet the dog. And we actually rented them to them because they had a dog. That was actually a factor for us because our thought process was they seem nice. They've got good job, good credit. And no one in their right mind is going to give someone an apartment with a 120-pound Mastiff. <laughs> They'll never leave. They will stay. Yeah, they'll stay as long as like, you know. That's a really good point. Yeah. So we chose them over a non-dog owner because of the dog. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I never, you know, I never really thought about it from that perspective. You know, we don't, we don't allow dogs in, in our, like our apartment complex or like even small multifamilies. But in the individual houses, we are usually a little bit more lenient. Like we'll charge them a usually three or four hundred dollar pet fee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and, and we've never actually had a problem with a dog per se. We've had more problems with cats, I think, because cats I was spray. Say that. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's been more of an issue. But uh, 
the only problem we've had with dogs is hair, like on all the, all the baseboards and stuff like that. Like it, yeah. when they move out, I mean, do you do anything with that? Have you had tenants move out with dogs? Do they leave it a mess? Do you, do, I mean, I don't know. Well, this kind of goes back to, you know, what you do and don't do as landlords as far as your time. Yep. Um, and that was one of my first lessons I learned is that it is so much more worth my time to hire someone to come clean our units yep. than it is for me to even attempt to do them. That's one thing I hire out hands down. Um, so it depends on the tenant. We had um, a tenant move out this year. Um, they were moving out of state and she knew that she didn't have time to clean. She had a newborn baby and just said, you know, pay for the cleaners, take it out of our deposit, schedule it and just handle it for me. Um, but generally we have them either clean themselves or we take it out of their security deposit. Gotcha. Yep. And, and do you, do you, are you caddist? Because uh, you know oh, Brandon's well. doggist, and you, you're—I'm a dog person. Yeah, yeah. I so like do dogs you, and cats. Oh, uh, whatever. I don't uh, like cats. So I don't either. So <laughs> yeah. do do you allow cats in your buildings or no? We do. Um, we think I think we've only got one cat. Okay. So we've got seven dogs and one cat. Gotcha. What what I've always found with pets is that clean people have clean pets, and dirty people yeah. have dirty pets. Mm-hmm. That's, That's true. And it doesn't really matter what, and so. I don't know. I, I tend to think if I if I'm comfortable enough with a person to rent to them as a person, then I'm going to be comfortable enough with their pet. Unless the only reason, like I said, I don't do them in multifamilies is because if I let you know John and 804B get a dog, then Sally and 804C is going to get one as well, and I don't know that one, and I, I don't know. Then it becomes a problem. But so how how do you know that somebody's a clean person? I mean, do, is there a way that you as a landlord? for those people listening who don't have experience can screen out for somebody who's kind of a hot mess. <laughs> I'll let you take that one. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I, the answer for me is, is partially in the car. You know, you could look in the car and see if they're, the car is disgusting, but you know, uh, yeah, you, though I will anything say, above I, and beyond that. My best friends who are like very clean, financially responsible people have like the dirtiest car when it comes to McDonald's wrappers. It's insane. Um, <laughs> but no, um, mainly I look at, you know, just overall the financials, um, and then their how they present themselves. Um, you know, to me, somebody who is financially responsible, we specifically look at the past three years of their credit report, um, line item by line item. And if they're paying their bills and they're financially responsible, then I feel that, that they'll be responsible tenants and responsible people. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I think it does come down to how they present themselves a lot of times too. Like you can just tell. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, maybe it just comes in time, but I can just tell when I see somebody whether they're generally going to be a clean person. I mean, there's obviously reasons that I could be wrong, but you usually know if their, you know, shirt has mustard stains all over it and like, you know, it's one size too small. I don't know. You just kind of get those hints. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like pets are expensive. Like they're not, not, you know, not cheap to take a dog to the vet and make sure it's fed. Um, Therefore, I think, you know, if you didn't want to be a responsible financial per like a financial responsible person, you wouldn't have a pet. Oh, that's not true. Well, that's not not true. No, that, that's not that's <laughs> not true at all. What are you talking about? Like there are plenty of financially. Like- no, I know. No, I I listen. They cost a fortune, but there's plenty of people who, you know, are are financially irresponsible, take buying pets, treating them like crap, not feeding them, or you know, that is true. Uh, You're right. You know, so I'm not going to argue with you, but you know, I, I'm not <laughs> arguing with you here. We we have a lot of in our town just a lot of low income people who have dogs and they chain them up outside a lot of times or they let them run around the house and they they cause a lot of problems. But again, you can yeah. usually spot those people just well. How do you spot through, them through screen? I think it's just through screening. Like uh, if a person has a good credit report, I'm gonna. I mean, like 
it's, it's all a big picture, right? I mean, like if they have a good credit report and they have a good job, they probably have a clean house. Probably. Right. If they have a clean house and they have a clean credit report, they probably have a good job. It all kind of goes together in, in, in a way. Um, but it's an art, not a science, right? Yeah. I mean, it, to a, yeah, it's, it's very much so. Um, I mean, I, I think screening tenants is something that is probably these outside of purchasing the property. This is for buy and hold at, at a good price. It's probably the single most important thing you could possibly do with your property, right? Is, 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 is get the right folks. And, you know, what's, what's unfortunate is there's no A, B, and C of how, how it, the, the per, the, there's no way to get it perfect, right? You're, you know, even if you know everything, you're still going to find ways to mess up. Brandon wrote a, a guide. It's the ultimate guide uh, to screening tenants is really, really good. It doesn't cover every single thing because there's no way we could possibly cover every single thing. Uh, but we'll link to it in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 78. And, and that's the ultimate guide to screening tenants. I definitely recommend you can also uh, you people can, check that out. We do have a short link to that. It's biggerpockets.com slash tenant screening. So there you, you go. Yeah. The there you go. Check it out. Nice. Um, um, cool. Uh, I want. Uh, what about advertising for tenants? I mean, let's go back from screening. How do you even find them in the first place? What are you doing? We use a site called Postlets. Okay. Okay. Um, so it it syndicates to Zillow, Trulia, all that. Um, typically, I actually just got yelled at today by my managing broker. I'm a I have a license here in Illinois. I'm in the process of getting it um, in Illinois, or Wisconsin, Indiana. But I had lunch with my broker today, and I was talking to him about how we just rented out one of our units. And we advertised on Sunday. We showed it on Monday. We do open house showings, and we got it rented. And he's like, "It's too low. You're renting it for too low," um, which might be an indicator that maybe we are renting it for too low. If I can rent them out in 24 hours, yeah, yeah, that's not a bad point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad point. So, are you going to experiment? Are you guys going to try raising the rent in the next one? Well, we're stuck for a year. No, um, I mean the next unit is—is is this on a multi or a single? Multi, but we have all of our units up June. June okay. 1st, <clears throat> nice. which was somewhat of a mistake. Um, we just went through three three sets of new tenants, all moved in June 1st mm-hmm. in two different buildings. And so we had showings all at the same time, screening all at the same time, moving, you know, that whole mess. Um, you know, that's an interesting strategy, though. I've never heard anybody say that. But if you schedule all of your tenants to have the same date, then you only really have one crazy month every year instead of yep. having a spread. I've never heard anybody do that Yeah, but before, that's cool. But- it's a crazy was, month, though. That is a crazy, crazy month, yeah. Especially because we were both still working, um, and we were both traveling a lot that month too. So it was a, uh, it there was definitely a point where I was like, "This is the stupidest thing we've ever done." Um, <laughs> <laughs> it definitely crossed our minds multiple times during the month. But the reality is, we're done. We don't, you know, we don't have to think about any new tenants coming in until next May. Yeah, yeah, yeah that until is you acquire more properties, of course. Yeah. yeah, but those will be managed in Milwaukee. Where uh, we have a pro- property manager up there. Why? Why don't you have one locally? Because um, our our properties are within like ten minutes of us. Again, they're we bought them rehabbed. So I think last year our one property we got maybe one repair call. Yeah. The entire year out of all three units, and the other property we maybe got two or three repair calls from all three units. So it's not enough where we have to have someone manage them, and it's a lot easier. For us to collect rent, we were doing it online or paying near me. Yeah. You know, it's easier to have those sort of automation systems in place. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you mind me asking what your typical like cash flow per unit would be on some of these ones in Chicago? Just that you bought nicer properties and usually you see those have less cash flow. And what, what kind of things are you looking at? That's nosy, man. I know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the average cash flow, um, if I divide it by three, I think we're looking at about four to $500 a month per unit. 
Wow. And is that including CapEx and, and yep. pretty much everything? That's a, that was our cash flow per unit last year after everything we spent, expenses, utilities, mortgage payments, all that. Wow. That's, that's awesome. That's pretty but good. But we're talking, we're talking $300,000 houses. Yeah. You know, so it's $100,000 a unit, not, you know, so we don't have that many of the, you know, expensive units here. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah that makes gotcha. sense. Okay, cool. Well, that's, that, that's not bad, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Which was why Milwaukee was an interesting um, area for us to look into because they do have, they have a lot higher cash flow per, you know, per what you spend up there. The price points are $65,000 for a duplex. Yeah. Um, so it will be interesting. We've seen the actuals on the numbers up there. We should be cash flowing pretty good, but it'll be interesting to see what the actual numbers yeah. come out to in the next couple of months. Because those, yeah. those cheaper properties tend to have their older houses. They have a lot more maintenance. They have a lot more CapEx. They have a lot of things that can go wrong and you get lower quality tenants who wreck things. And yeah, yeah. so it's a trade off. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely it a trade off. Yeah. I think our, uh, I think our newest building we've ever bought was built in 1911. Wow. wow. Yeah. No kidding. Well, I think the Milwaukee Chamber of Commerce is is going to give me an award at some point <laughs> because of all the landlords we're sending to uh, help renovate that uh, that city from the show. It's, but it's not really. It's a weird market, though. Um, it's not. There's not many like people that are deal with investors up there. Yeah. Um, you know, I I literally have eight agents that work for me up there. Um, and it's been a struggle to even get one deal done with eight agents. Yeah, I think we heard the same thing from Jay Scott. It's yeah. just is really, really the infrastructure for investors is 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 somewhat challenging. Is, yeah, is my for understanding. sure. Yeah. Well, listen, it's fascinating. Uh, what what uh, what's what's the end game? You guys want to retire by forty? What does that yeah. look like? You're at what twenty? Was what it twenty eight units? Wherever you are, uh, are you guys? Do you have a specific pace that you're aiming for, or you know, a total number of units you want. What What's the goal there? Um, well, I'd, we'd like to be at twenty five thousand month rental income. Okay, um, that's kind of our goal, where we could take you know the foot off the gas a little bit more. Um, but now that I'll be you know doing investing full time, like I said, I'm getting licensed in three different states. I'll be brokering my own deals as well as potentially working with other investors. We're kind of looking at flips right now too. Um, but all that will really come back to any income that we make from either brokering deals or or doing flips, we'll go back into buying and hold for my husband and I. Um, gotcha. I don't think I'm not comfortable partnering with a joint venture on buying and holds. I'm, you know, it's just a like you said, it has to be the right partner with the right mentality, and we just don't see it yet. Yep, gotcha, gotcha. Re- really quick, you you mentioned the agency side of things. Uh, I'm I'm curious uh, before we move on to the next section here. Uh, do you think that it is in the interest of real estate investors to get their real estate license? Yeah, um, I think it is. Why? I think it teaches you a lot about um, just the market in general. Like that's really what, if I had never been an agent 10 years ago, I probably would have never even considered real estate investing. And all that came from, you know, I loved looking at the numbers and I loved, you know, staring at different, you know, appreciations of different markets and what the rentals were. I would just sit there for hours by myself and just play with the numbers. And that really helped me get a better understanding of my market as well as develop an intuition about my market, which I think is the number one thing somebody can do in real estate. Yeah. That's Don't a, listen to others. Listen to what you think it's a great your point. gut tells you. That's a great point. And you really only get that from feet on the ground. And, and I think you can yeah. get it as an investor by literally you know, knowing every house in your farm and as an agent, really the same thing, going to every open mm-hmm. house and seeing what's available, what's for sale, so you could start learning it. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Cool. 
cool. Well, hey, why don't we uh, why don't we move on? It's time for the fire round. All right, these questions come straight out of the Bigger Pockets forum. So, number one, what would you suggest for a newbie to do about calming their nerves when putting in their first property under contract? Xanax. <laughs> um, you you just got to be confident in yourself. You really do, and that again comes from learning your market. Um, you really have to just trust your gut instinct and know that you know whatever you do, it will work out. And if it doesn't work out, have an exit strategy, have a plan in place. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, uh, would you do a two year lease with a tenant? And if so, do you think that it would be worth some kind of a dollar reduction in monthly rent. Say uh, the actual question that was asked was a $200 deduction in monthly rent. Uh, if somebody were to sign a, a two-year lease and lock in. Um, I would do a two-year lease. Um, I would depends on the rent. You know, if it's a $600 unit and you're asking for $200 off, you're insane. Oh, sure. If it's like a $3,000 unit and you want $200 off, if it's a good tenant, maybe, um, it just really depends on the rent to like the ratio. If it's $200 off a $600 unit, then there's no way. If it's $200 off a $3,000 unit, then yeah, if it's a good tenant, that might be a good case. The issue then is, you know, you have to be really, really strong about your tenant screening and be really, really sure that you want that person in there for two years. If you're going to make that sort of commitment. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Uh, Here's a question that I'm actually really interested to hear what you say because this is something we're changing in our business. Do you have a no-smoking policy in your rentals? Yes, I do. Um, I have a no-smoking policy in my rentals. Um, if I catch, if I smell smoke in the units, it's a $1,000 fine. Um, and then we only allow outdoor smoking, so we will allow it on the exterior of the property. And for every butt I find that I have to pick up, it's a $50 charge. That's awesome. Um, cool idea. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty intense. Um, we only have one smoker in the entire of all of our tenants. Um, and so it's never really been an issue once I did find some butts and I told her about it and said, I'll let you slide this time. But ever since I haven't had any problems. I like that idea. Um, I, I never heard of anybody doing the charge per butt having to pick up cause we have some tenants that yeah. smoke out their window. They sit in their window and smoke all day and then it just, they litter the ground with cigarette butts and they maybe go pick them up once in a while, but it, it's really bad. But one thing my wife and I are going to do now, I'm just going to test out and see how it works is we're going to actually make a no smoking policy period. Like we don't rent to smokers in general, which, yeah. Yeah. um, and, and I'm going to get myself into huge trouble by saying this from smokers who listen to the show, but generally speaking, my theory is this in my area, those who smoke will be lower quality tenants than those who do not. I'm not saying all people who smoke are bad, but in general <laughs> speaking, I'm going to try that out. And I think I'll get better because <laughs> every, every tenant that I've ever evicted, well, it's only been two. They've smoked heavily. Every tenant I've had a problem with has smoked. So again, it, it's, it's not a 100% correlation, but I think there is something there. And so a couple of property managers I know told me that that's what they do now. Flat out, they do not rent to smokers. And I, I might test it out just to see. I think I it's know. a good policy. Uh, you know, yeah. the smokers are already hate me. I'm staunchly anti-smoking. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I have a, you, you, you can't even smoke on the property. Like, you know, if you're on the lawn, you're not smoking. Because I, I think it's disrespectful to people who don't want to breathe it in. You know, I walk, yeah. you go to the mall, you walk outside the door, they're smoking 10 feet away from the entrance to the mall. My kids have to walk through cigarette smoke. What is that? I mean, yeah. I, I think that's awful. Um, yeah, I think if you're going to smoke, go, go smoke in the woods or something. Go, go, <laughs> go, go smoke out some bunnies. Yeah. And I think the other side of it is too, is that uh, tenants, like 
tenants, at least the ones that I know that when we say you can't smoke inside, I mean, that's always been a policy of ours. You can't smoke inside. Yet still, yeah. when they yeah. vacate, their house always sm- like reeks of smoke because they're either smoking inside or they just it's on their clothes. And either way, um, yeah, we've well, had cleanup that is expensive. And, and you got to you got to repaint. You got to do all sorts of odor killing stuff to get that stench out. And it's not easy. It's well, it's easy, but it's not not cheap to do. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that's a test we're going to run. So we'll see. Nice. Um, I'll right. be interested to hear, to hear about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm Maybe I'll write a post about it. After I might. You get, well, you know, my, thousands yeah. of hate, thousands of hate mails <laughs> from from smokers. Well, my fear is going to be actually in that is that I'm not going to get any tenants. Like, what I have low income tenants. Like, I think over half of our county smokes. I think I've read that one time. So, like, am I going to just? shoot myself in the foot maybe but we'll see or you might be the bastion of glory for the non-smokers i was thinking that too non-smoker saying wow the turners have the best stench-free units in the county <laughs> like if i write that in the ad in the newspaper craigslist no smoker is allowed or something like that it might give me that might be actually be a benefit to, to people like oh good i yeah so who knows i don't know split test it brandon i will i'll split test that thing okay that's awesome <laughs> all right brie how do you tan, uh, how do you handle tenants that are medical marijuana patients? Then do you let them smoke in the unit? You you of course. Oh no, you live up in uh, in, in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Do you guys have medical so marijuana that, issues? No, it's only in yeah. uh, Washington or here. Okay. And yeah. Cal- California. We don't maybe? have that yeah, issue. California um, has it too. In a few places. I. I mean, if they, if it was allowed here, I think I would actually probably have to, um, just because we've got somebody to laws about that kind of stuff, it would be maybe a disability or something like that where there'd be a rule in place for landlords with our 147-page landlord <laughs> yep. you know, guide. Uh, ha- I'm sure they would spell it out. That has been a big issue. I mean, like we've had a lot of conversations about that like at landlord meetups in, uh, in Washington and Colorado. I'm sure you know, yeah. it's there too. Is what do you do with it? Is it a disability, right? Because medical marijuana means they have a disability. So by prohibiting medical marijuana, you are prohibiting a, a disability, which is illegal. So you can't do that. Yeah. However, what I've heard, I'm not giving legal advice here, but what, I, what I've heard is you can't make it, you can't disallow medical marijuana, but you can disallow the smoking of it because that like, you can't disallow the consumption of it, but you can the, uh, you know, so anyway, that, again, that's just what I've heard. And, uh, I don't but think there's the, been a in the court states, case to define I mean, it yet. But. but places like Washington and, and Colorado, I, I, you know, it's so prevalent and most people aren't even smoking it anyway. Now they're eating it in brownies and cookies and lollipops <laughs> and, and stuff like that. So, uh, we, I mean, the, the problem is extended beyond the landlord, though. As a business person, you know, you now yeah. have to implement these things into your business policies. And it's something that we we struggle with, you know, hey – you know, it's legal to smoke pot. It's like drinking. So, uh, okay. So if it's okay to do that, is it okay for my, my employees to go get stoned the night before work and come into work, you know, the day after having, you know, gotten high? Uh, Well, our policy is no, you can't do that, but yeah. Well, and I know you can still test out, like, even though it's legal in Colorado, Colorado um, employers can still test and deny based on smoking uh, marijuana because it's not a protected class. Right. It's just uh, freedom. So, I mean, you could do it for alcohol too. If you drink alcohol, I won't hire you. Well, sure. So, yeah. Interesting. uh, Yeah. It'll be interesting to see kind of how the courts define these rules in the coming years. And I mean, I, I expect within 10 years, every state will be the same as Washington, Colorado, but. I don't know. It'll be it's interesting. It's a work in progress. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Cool. All right, cool. Well, hey, uh, that's pretty much, I mean, all the questions we got for you except for the world famous. Famous for. These questions we ask everyone on every show. So let's hear what you have to say about them. Number one, 
What is your favorite real estate book? Um, I think it's The Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller. Okay. Um, Speaks a lot to just the mentality of investors, the psychology behind it. Cool. Yeah, that was a good book. How about business books? Do you have any favorites in that category? Uh, There was one I'm actually reading right now. It's actually another Gary Keller book called The One Thing. Okay. Um, about how you just succeed in business and life using like boiling everything down to the one thing that's important. What's gotcha. important that day and then do it. What's that's important my, the next month then do it. That's in my Amazon like wish list right now. I'm going to buy that one of these days. I just have too many to work through right now that I, but yeah, it's yeah, on my list. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what about, ho- what about hobbies, Brie? What do you, what do you uh, and your husband do for fun besides real uh, estate? Well, up until two days ago, real estate was my hobby. Um, but I mean, besides that, it's travel. Uh, we love international travel. Um, we went to Thailand, Costa Rica, like Spain, France, Italy, Croatia. Um, and spending time in those cultures is what really is our, our hobby. Nice. What's, what's been your favorite place to travel to so far? Um, they're all very different. Um, I think, though, our favorite has been Thailand. Yeah. Um, so far we got to spend a lot of time in like rural, rural, if I'm saying that right, Brandon. Um, <laughs> Sounds like how in, I say in it. In rural Thailand, um, away from like the touristy stuff and really spending time with like the people. And even though they didn't speak English and we didn't speak Thai, like you made it work and it was just a great experience. That's great. That's, That's good. Awesome. I, I, I had my honeymoon there in Thailand. Really? Yeah. 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 I like it there. Nice. That's great. You guys done? Can I ask the last question? Is that all right? <laughs> Make hey, me feel jealous, line, all right? That's my line, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, what do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who either give up, fail, or maybe never get started? Well, speaking from a buy and hold investor, I think the number one thing is, you know, just persistence. Um, you know, I talked to a guy the other day who told me he wants to quit his job in three months. I was like, that's awesome. It took me four years. Um, so, you know, you have to be persistent and it takes time and you're not going to, you know, do it overnight, and that's really what to me buy, being a buy hold investor is. Yeah, and and we slow and steady wins the race. And we certainly right? don't encourage people yep. to uh, quit their jobs in three months. I or do. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it until you're ready, guys. Seriously, like I mean, I think I think it's it's so tempting to to say, oh, I love real estate. I'm starting to make money with it. I'm going to quit. And and you know, I I, I think it's just better to be somewhat safer and you're just kind of you're more cautious yeah. than me i'm more like i mean i'm not i'm not giving the advice here but i'm more of the you know don't be stupid but you know take some risks and uh especially if you're young or if you don't have a huge i'm family, almost you know. 40 man you know things change yeah, yeah and that's yeah. exactly it right because i don't have kids i don't have a lot so i could risk a little bit more where you've oh, got yeah. a family and you've got you know you can't risk as much so it's all comes down to who you are and what you're at absolutely but. absolutely but if you're in the buy and hold arena like having a w-2 income um, a stable W two income, like there's no way we would have ever been able to grow to where we are right now without having both having a W two income. Yep. That made the process so much easier for us. Well, the, and that's that's my biggest point on it as well. It's yep. like you know yeah. that, that income helps you with a lot of different things. It helps you survive. It helps you you know. So if you're hating your job and sucking it up, you know, and you've been doing it for a while, and now you're into real estate, you know, suck it up a little, a little bit longer. Keep keep a hold of that W two while you can. Yeah. And set goals too. Yeah, you, know, yep. you have to set goals, and then stick to them. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. All right, Bree. Well, where where do people find out more information about you, or where they find you online? How can they get in touch? Um, probably daily on Bigger Pockets in the forums. Nice. Um, I'm there almost every single day. Um, and you know my profile on Bigger Pockets. 
Nice. That's oh, awesome. I just cool. got Twitter. You just got Twitter? I just got Twitter. I Can followed I you on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, what, do you know what your Twitter handle is? Yeah, what is your Twitter handle? Just Chicago Bree. Chicago Bree. I'm not too sure how to use it yet. I've just been like retweeting a lot of stuff and like whatever, but I'm that, sure in the next few months I'll, I'll get it down. It's, it's kind <laughs> of, con- it? it's, it's hard. It's, it's, yeah. I think a lot of people don't get it. It's like a giant room of people talking to each other. You just got to lock up and join their conversations. That's how Josh explained yeah. it to me. And that's kind of, it makes sense, but it, there's too many, there's a lot of promotion now. It's kind of irritating how much, I don't know. Everybody's yeah. automated everything with Twitter, including myself. <laughs> so like every, like there's like 12 people actually on Twitter and everything else is just if this, then that or whatever. So, I just followed you, Brie. Nice. Thank you. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, good stuff. Well, listen, we appreciate having you on the show. Thank you so much for you. all your activity and you being a, a big a BP fan user, whatever it is. And, and, uh, all right, Brie, thanks so much. We appreciate having you on the show. Take it easy. Thank you. All right, guys. That was Bree Schmidt on the Bigger Pockets podcast, show 78. You can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 78. Uh, if you've got any questions for Bree, definitely, definitely jump on there uh, and uh, jump in, jump in. Uh, otherwise, big thanks to our sponsor, Payneer Me. We really do appreciate uh, them helping support the show. If uh, you want to check them out, you can do that at paynearme.com. Finally, thanks so much for listening. And, and hopefully, if you're a listener, you're also somebody who is active on Bigger Pockets. Uh, we, we certainly encourage you to participate on the forums and, and to read and engage the, those people. As you probably can tell by now, we, we, we get most of our podcast guests from our active users on bigger pockets. And one of the things that these guys all have in common is they all talk about how important it is to participate on bigger pockets, uh, how much, uh, value they derive from it. So we, we certainly encourage you to do so. Uh, set up a free account today if you haven't already at biggerpockets.com. Otherwise, definitely check us out on Facebook, Twitter, G+, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and all the other major social networks. We're there. We're sharing. We're participating. And hopefully, uh, we will see you there. That's pretty much all I got for you this week. Thanks again. I'm Josh Dorkin, your host, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. 
Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.